0: So as Megan said, we are beginning three, three weeks of prayer and fasting and we have tended to do this every year around this time because, and, and this is not a command kind of thing, like this is not a thou shout, this is we're doing this, if you want to join us, you're very welcome to join us um, and we would really love it if you did and what we found the first time we did it was we were expecting just a few people to join us and nearly everyone did and that was deeply encouraging Um, and we've just kind of kept going and what it is is we just want to intensify our focus on hosting his presence well because unless we have his presence this is all a waste of time and it's really boring it's really uninteresting and count me out Moses said that not in exactly the same words but unless your presence goes with us don't send us and um, so, come on the journey with us, Tuesday, Monday, Tuesday, and it's just kind of, we get together and, here, 7.30 in two nights' time, Tuesday, and then the following Monday, then the following Tuesday, so three weeks, and re- we just get together with no agenda other than him, anything goes. Anything can happen, and probably will, and we will find out as it's happening what will happen. It's kind of fun. So, that's the idea. Now, this is the first time I've actually kind of had a chat with you for a couple of months. It's been a while. And what I really feel in my heart is to just kind of set the direction of our sails and remind us of some things that will be really, really familiar. Um, But uh, I have a story to tell you that will kind of um, tell us of the importance of the times that we are in right now. I'll get to that in a moment. Um, I want to open to a verse that you may not have heard of, Isaiah 61. (laughs) Yeah, it's in the Bible. Yeah, it's just here. It's in mine anyway. Isaiah chapter 61, if you are not familiar, haven't been around us a while, our name is Isaiah 61, and that comes from Isaiah chapter 61, which is the ministry of Jesus, and this yeah, for Deb and I, this is kind of our life verses. Um, and for Jesus, this was really his life verse because in Luke chapter 4, he actually said, today this scripture is filled in your hearing. More on that in moment. My... I'm going to read it out. And um, as I'm reading it, don't just listen to it like information. Just open your spirit and take it in. Um, because the anointing that was on Jesus is this. And we can receive that and then minister out of it. Isaiah 61. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and to provide for those who grieve in Zion. "'To bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, "'oil of joy instead of mourning, "'and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. "'They will be called oaks of righteousness, "'a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendour. "'They will rebuild the ancient ruins "'and restore the places long devastated. "'They will renew the ruined cities "'that have been devastated for generations.' Strangers will shepherd your flocks, and foreigners will work your fields and vineyards, and you will be called priests of the Lord. You will be named ministers of our God. You will feed on the wealth of nations, and in their riches you will boast. Instead of your shame, you will receive a double portion, and instead of disgrace, you will rejoice in your inheritance. So you will inherit a double portion in your land, and everlasting joy will be yours. Come on. I'll take that any day of the week. Now, I want to unpack, and I'm going to do this up on the screen. The screen is in the middle instead of on the sides because just 10 minutes before the salvo service, the whole system kind of went kaboom, and Bill, their pastor, rang me, thankfully, before I left and said, hey, we've got a bit of a problem. And so I packed one of our projectors and we kind of put it together with gaff tape and cable ties and we have something But I want to visually put out Isaiah 61. I did this last year back in March for the first time and kind of put it out there like this. Um, And I want to do that again because there are some things that we just need to be reminded of again and again and again. Um, And when you see it like this, all of a sudden it just opens up what this is about and what we are here to do, what is the mission that's on us. And then I want to talk about the prophetic times that we are in um, and how this relates to us. So... In Isaiah chapter 61, you see a bunch of negative results and you see a bunch of positive results. So on the negative side, he says, I'll bring good news to the poor to bind up the brokenhearted. So you see poor, brokenhearted, captive, prisoner, mourning, despair, shame. They're the negative results of life that you see on one side of the coin in Isaiah 61. And then we see a bunch of positive results. Freedom for the captives or release for the captives. The year of favour, to crown, a crown of beauty, garment of praise, oaks of righteousness, planting of the Lord for the display of his splendour. Rebuilder, restorer, prosperous, priests, ministers, double portion, joy. They're all the positive results that are there in, in Isaiah 61. All the negative results... We have come to know and that we have come to understand are a result of absent or distorted love, particularly in our formative years. As we grow up in our families of origin, the beginning of these, all of our brokenness comes down to either love was absent. No one ever looked in my eyes and told me I was amazing and told me I was loved. There was an absence of that loving, nurturing, affirming voice. Or love was distorted, it was attached to performance. It was, you know, if you come home with 98%, what happened to the other 2%? Instead of awesome, well job, it was, what happened to the rest? And what that tells you is, doesn't matter what I do, it's never good enough. And so I'm then motivated to just perform and to perform and to perform some more because maybe if I get it all right, I'll be lovable and acceptable. When love and the giving of receiving of it is used as a form of punishment, it teaches us that our value is attached to what we do. Absent or distorted love. And nearly every addictive or dysfunctional behavior comes down to woundedness and brokenness in our heart because of one of those two things either absence, absence of love and nurture or distorted love and nurture. Now, because we all grew up with parents who were humans, we all have some of this. I love my family growing up, there was amazing stuff. And like, boy, did I still need some therapy. Because believe it and my kids, poor things, they'll still need therapy too because we are not perfect. Thank you for... Uh, <laughs> that wasn't the point you were supposed to say amen, but anyway, we'll go with it. But it is true. We have a therapy jar ready for you. <laughs> you know, just to give you and go, here, go and deal with living with us because I'm, sure be, I'm sure there'll be a plenty. Um, this is a line that... If you were here last year, you have heard me talk about it a couple of times. And I have a name for this line, and it's called the Not Crap line. <laughs> and I know I just said crap, and I just said it again. And I'll say it again a couple of times just to let you know. But we're not streaming. It's okay. Actually, we were last time, and I did it anyway. Um, what I mean by that. So this is the line at which you know, things are not bad. They're not good. They're not great. But they're not bad. They're just It's like financially... I have no debts, but I also have nothing in the bank. I'm just, I'm at break-even. That's what the not crap line is. And this circle here represents us and our community, our, our sphere of influence, our church community, our church family. What our job is, in really simple terms, what our mission is, as I61 is to live out and demonstrate Isaiah 61, which is to take people from here and to take them on a journey so that they end up here. Because that's essentially what the ministry of Jesus is. He said, I'm going to take all of these and I'm going to turn them into all of this. That's really, really simple. It's Really, really intense and really, really messy when we actually do it, but as a concept, it's really, really simple. Our job is to take people from the left side and not to hit the blank button. Let me just walk over here for a moment, as you were. I did a different thing last time to stuff it up, but this time, you know, I I did something new. There we go. One of the things I emphasised last time, and I want to emphasise again, especially given the couple of years that we've had. It's almost like, you know what? Not crap, it'd be just awesome. I'm happy to settle for that right now. But that is not our inheritance. It is not the ministry of Jesus just to get us out of debt. He wants to prosper us, whether literally or metaphorically. So over here, if we want to get an idea of where we are over here on the left-hand side in the negative results, you know, we go from over this side where essentially people are disabled. They can't function fully in life. You know, they're addicted. Um, their relationships are broken. They're stuck in trauma. They're stuck in grief. You know, when we're right over there, it's like, I can't fully function in life. You know, a mess. I'm a mess. As we move across and we kind of straddle that not crap line, we're functional plus there's baggage. Like I can do life. I can hold down a job. I could even have a really successful career. But I'm suffering. My marriage is suffering. My family is suffering. I'm struggling as a parent. I've got relationship issues. I'm suffering anxiety, depression. I don't have any sense of purpose. I don't know where I belong. I can get by in life. But there's baggage in there somewhere. And for a whole lot of us, we're kind of going, well, that's just life, isn't it? You know, as long as we live in a broken world, we will have some of that. Okay, yes, it will be present in the world. But Jesus did not say, I have come that you might have, yeah, all right. Did he? Am I reading the right book? challenge you to a jewel off pull your Bible out let's go <laughs> okay you need to get one <laughs> okay that's good you should bring it it's really useful now Jesus did not die and rise again so that we could continue to have issues now we all have them I have them no amen <laughs> the journey is from glory to glory And our job as as individuals is to let the Spirit of God touch us in such a way that the baggage starts to drop off. The most common sound in the kingdom of God should be chains hitting the ground. Because that's what Jesus is like. Everyone who came into contact with Jesus, something changed. and And not just a little bit. The further we move across This is where we help people prosper and build. We help them discover their destiny and their kingdom assignment. We help people get finances in such a place that they are an enabler of destiny rather than the thing you have to consult to see if you can do it. And we coach, we equip people to get better skilled so that we can take more territory. Do do you you see the flow from left to right um, as we put it in really, really practical terms? Now, to do that as a community... We need to create a place, if you like, I'm putting it around the side here because I've already filled up the middle on the slide. We need a place of presence and power. There are a lot of counselling services that do a whole lot of this stuff. And some of them do it particularly well. But none of them ever do it as well as Jesus does. Or as quick. We need a place of presence and power. Otherwise, we are not demonstrating the fullness of the kingdom. We also need a place of safety and belonging. This is the process where we learn and grow and mature in love. So that the place where we gather, the place where we, not just the physical place, but wherever we gather together, there is a sense of psychological safety. In other words, I can just be me. I don't have to put on a show. I don't have to perform to feel like I'm acceptable and lovable in this environment. I can be me as much on my best day as I can on my worst day. I can walk in and go, I've royally screwed up. I need help. I'm struggling, I need prayer, can someone help me and not feel judged for not having it all together? Likewise, I can turn up and be at my absolute best and soar without feeling like I have to apologise so that someone else doesn't get intimidated. That's the place of safety and belonging. And then on this side, as we are moving people forward, we, na- we need to be a place of equipping so in our four pillars, if you see, and I'm not going to go through all of those bits now, we talk about, of the four things we do, number one is we create zones of presence that facilitate encounter. That is our number one job, not to run church services. As I've said many times, we are not a provider of religious services or religious experiences. That is not our job, where people can come and outsource their spirituality to the environment, get their spiritual fix and go home, like drive through Maccas or KFC <laughs> or wherever Anna and Ben went earlier to get a lot of nuggets. It was Macca's, was it? Okay. Um, Zones of presence that facilitate encounter and then equipping people to live an excellent supernatural life. We always need to be growing, learning, developing, learning greater skills so we can take more ground. I have a lot more to say about that, but limited time um, because our kids are with us. Um, a place of equipping and sending where we send people out in the world to go and love the world. So our mission to all of this, to the poor, the brokenhearted, the captive, the prisoner, the mourning, the shame and despair is to be Jesus with skin on in those places where there is mess, where there is brokenness, where there is death and decay and heartache and pain is to bring unconditional love into that and to show that zone what love really is. And love isn't just a thing. Love is a person whose name is Jesus. And if you haven't met him, you haven't met perfect love. And then we get healed, we get whole, and we go and love the world. And the whole cycle repeats itself. Does that bring Isaiah 61 into it, like both alive and pragmatic in terms of this is what we're here to do. This is what we are about. It's about taking this and turning it into this. It's not just about running services and having home groups. We gather because scripture tells us that we need each other. You know, do not forsake meeting regularly together as some are in the habit of doing. Because we need each other. We're designed, we're hardwired for that. But all of that is to serve the purpose of this, to create an environment that allows the ministry of Jesus to flourish so that this gets turned into that. Capish? All right. So I want to tell you a story to bring this a little bit alive and kind of understand the, um, the times that we are in right now. And to do this, I actually wrote some notes on this story because it's got some complex bits that I may get lost in and I want to keep my train of thought so that we're efficient but so that you get the idea. And this is a really weird, trippy story. i just, just letting you know that. Because if I just told you the prophetic word that comes out of this story, it wouldn't have anywhere near the power as it does when you understand the story. So how many of you have heard of a guy in the US called Chris Reed? He's a prophetic guy. Has Anyone heard of him? Me and one other. Okay. Have any of you heard of Rick Joyner? Okay, about five of you. So Rick Joyner is actually one of the most prolific writers in modern Christianity. He has written more books than most um, and sold more books than most. And he is quite an incredible um, leader in apostolic prophetic ministry. He leads a church called Morningstar, which is over in, it's like borders North and South Carolina over in the U.S., um, and he really is um, a genuine father of the apostolic prophetic movement in the modern day. He, he leads an environment called Morningstar. Chris Reed would be, I think, about 37, 38 years old now. Chris is going to take over from Rick. Um, they're, they're transitioning the leadership right now, so Chris will become the senior leader of Morningstar Ministries, which is, you know, one of the, one of the I guess, premier, most impactful ministries across the US. Um, And he is stupidly prophetic. Like, read your mail, read everyone else's mail, read any mail that you've read of someone else's, read it, like, he is just, he is on another level. And hold that one. In the background, how many of you have heard of the Kansas City prophets that operated, you know, kind of late 80s, early 90s? So in the city of Kansas is a movement called the International House of Prayer, otherwise known as IHOP. Um, Many of you may have heard of IHOP, um, but they, especially throughout the 90s, um, but still to this day, are one of the more influential movements in the Spirit-filled church, especially among young adults. Their senior pastor is a guy named Mike Bickle, and going back 30 years, a number of guys. Bob Jones was one of them, which is a name some of you will know if you've followed the prophetic for any time. Paul Kane is another one and John Paul Jackson. The only, actually, none of those are alive now, I think. I think they've all died now. John Paul Jackson's gone, Paul kane has gone. And um, yeah, they're they're all gone. Um, But back in the late 80s and, and through the 90s, particularly the, these three, there was a few others like Bill Heyman and James Goll and a number that were, that were hanging around there, were operating in a level of prophetic that the world had no grid for, uh, but more like the church had no grid for at that time. They were, they were on another level. Bob Jones was one of these seeing into heaven and would see things and would describe things and nobody could understand what he was talking about because it was so otherworldly. Like this guy was, he, he, is, he got struck by lightning died, went to heaven, and God said to him, did you learn to love? Like one of the most prophetic guys on the planet, did you learn to love? And the long story short, the answer was no. And so God sent him back and said, go learn to love. Um, If you want to read the story, it's in the beginning of Danny Silk's book, Keeping Your Love On. Danny tells the story um, as a a precursor to us learning to love. Now, Paul Cain, even by all of those really prophetic people, was probably... Um, known as one of the most prophetic individuals to walk the earth in the modern day. Like he was just, the level of accuracy that he would be able to see things that there was no way he could know was next level. Um, You know, there's Jesus then, you know, at least in the modern day, there was probably nobody that could operate in the prophetic like he could. And at the end of his life, things got a bit messy with him. But when he was in his prime and in his anointing, it was, it was scary stuff. Now, a little bit of background on him. Paul Cain had a mother, duh, whose name was Anna. And at the time that Paul Cain was born, his mother Anna was 45 years old and had four terminal diseases. And God had spoken to Paul Cain's mom and said, you will have a son, you will name him Paul, Um, and the spirit and the power of the Lord will be upon him and describe the kind of ministry that he would have. And at the age of 45, she gives birth to him and the doctors are saying, you need to go home and get everything in order because you've got about a month to live. And a couple of weeks after Paul was born, an angel of the Lord appeared in her room, touched her, healed her instantly. So she had tuberculosis. Um, I wrote it down. She had... Like, these are not little terminal diseases. So she had tuberculosis, terminal heart disease, breast cancer and cervical cancer, all at the same time. And um, an angel of the Lord came into her room, touched her, healed her instantly and healed her so deeply she never got sick again until she was about 104. (laughs) And she died at age 104 and nine months. That's, That's just how healed she got. And the angel of the Lord spoke to her about her son, now, when she was, when she got into her 90s, I'm fast-forwarding a little bit, um, God had spoken to her about her son Paul and said to him, and essentially, mother tells Paul Cain, before I die, I'm going to have the most significant prophetic word of your life to give to you. And he's like, Well, you know, she was kind of just as prophetic as he was but didn't have the platform or the profile and she raised him in such a way that produced this prophetic guy and you know he's like well you know you're revelatory you you know how to hear the voice of the Lord just get it now give it you know bring it and she's like I don't have it the Lord won't tell me right now fast forward she's 104 years and 9 months she is in a coma and she hasn't delivered the prophetic word to him and so it was causing quite a kerfuffle around both IHOP and the vineyard movement that were very, very connected in those days, that Paul Cain was putting a message to all key leaders around the world, please pray for my mother's healing. And they're all like, she's 104, why are we praying for her to be healed? Like, let her go. And he's like, you don't understand, she has a word for me, she hasn't given it to me yet, she can't die. You getting the idea? Okay. Paul Kane rings up Mike Bickle, who's the, still to this day the senior leader of IHOP in Kansas City, um, and says to him, "Yeah, my mum's going to die tomorrow. Can you please come and be with me?" And and Mike said, "Well, how do you know she's going to die tomorrow?" And Paul's like, "You're asking me how I know? <laughs> like I'm being one of the most prophetic guys, and I, I, I know. Please come." And be, he's like, "Oh, sorry, my bad. Forgot who I was talking to." Um, and went there. And in the room was. Paul Kane, his mum, you know, they were very close. Paul, Paul just adored his mum, and yeah, you know, they were very, very close. Mike Bickle and a medical person were in the room. And she is getting very, very close to death. Paul Kane is right there next to her. And leans and she kind of wakes up, leans over, whispers something in his ear, and then lets go and dies. At that time. Mike Bickle, yeah, he's like, he's in this moment, he's there to support his friend, but it's this really incredibly intimate and vulnerable moment, obviously, and so he's kind of, he's there, but he's trying kind of not to look and just trying to be respectful of what's happening. But at the time that she died, he looked at the clock and it was 4.18. That becomes important in just a moment. He didn't think any of it, I- anything of it, but some months later, because Mike Bickle didn't hear what Paul what paul's mum whispered to him some months later said what was the word like i know that this was really significant because paul was just grieving really deeply and um yeah it took a couple of months to um get himself in any way functional again and so mike said what was the word and he said the word was luke chapter 4 18 verse 18 now hold that let's come back to chris reed Chris Reed hadn't met Mike Bickle before up until April of last year. Comes to his church and they're just kind of like, you know, what's God talking to you about? And he goes, I've got this one thing and I just, I don't understand it, but I've got this like prophetic riddle going around in my head, which is when the prince is passed, it will be 418 at last. Now he knew the prince was talking about Prince Philip, as in the husband of the queen who died on April the 9th last year. So less than 12 months ago. And he, all he knew was at the death of Prince Philip, prophetically, that would usher in a new era for the kingdom age. But he didn't quite know, he didn't understand what that meant, what the 418 meant. He just, he just had this riddle. When the prince shall pass, it will be 418 at last. So he shares it with Mike Bickle. And, and, you know, and he says, I don't know what this means. And Mike Bickle's like, I know exactly what it means because he's got the word from Paul Cain's mum still in his spirit from 30 something years back. He hasn't forgotten. And this word was about, Luke chapter 4.18 is the beginning chunk of Isaiah 61. So this is when Jesus is in the temple, Luke 4.18 and 19, Jesus is in the temple on the Sabbath. He's asked to read the scroll. He opens to the prophet Isaiah chapter 61 and he reads from, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach good news to the poor, recovery of sight to the blind and so on he goes. And then... And then he says, "Um, and to proclaim the acceptable year or the favourable year of the Lord. And then he stops in the middle of the passage, shuts the scroll and says, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. That's how we know that this is the ministry of Jesus. Because Jesus said, this is me. This scripture is fulfilled right here, right now. And if you look at all of these things here, What the ministry of Jesus touches is the brokenness in our physical bodies and in our emotional condition. And what Paul Cain's mum talked about was a move of God to do with the power of God to bring healing to the brokenhearted, as talked about in Luke chapter 4, verse 18. Chris Reed turns up to Mike Bickle's church and says, when the prince shall pass, it will be 4.18 at last. Now, Back to Mike Bickle on the 418. What he didn't realise until, um, until they put a few things together, um, he was telling the story to someone else and a couple of things happened. One of them was, you know, he said, it's Luke 418. And then he remembered that his mum died at 418. And a couple of weeks later, someone said to him, what date was that? And he goes, oh, I don't know, I think it was, it was sometime in April. I think it was April the 18th. Now, we don't get this as Aussies because in the US, they do their dates backwards. They do it wrong. We do it right. They do it wrong. And she died on the 18th of April at 418. The 18th of April is 418 in the US. So she has a prophetic word from Luke 418. She dies at 418 PM on 418, the date. You can't make that up, right? You don't get to choose when you die like that. And part of the reason of telling that story is to go like, God put these punctuation marks on this experience in this prophetic community to go, you can't miss, like, this is so God, you can't make that up. You get the idea? Okay. So Prince Philip dies on April the 9th, 2021. And if you follow his funeral and the way that the dates line over internationally, his funeral was still taking place on 418. You can't make that up either. Like there are too many pieces of the prophetic puzzle that just go, oh, my goodness. What's the point? Globally, and when I put up the podcast, I'm going to put a link to Mike Bickle kind of telling the full version of the story, and you know, he'll do it better because he was there. Um, But if you want to hear the whole story and hear him unpack that whole thing, I'll put the link in the podcast thing and when we put it up on Facebook so that you can go watch that if you want. It is really, really worth it. God is speaking a global prophetic word about Luke 4.18, but the real deal is actually Isaiah 61 because that's where Jesus was quoting from, saying that this is front and centre in the heart of God right now, that the death of the husband of the reigning monarch marks a shift in season in the kingdom of God globally where God is saying it's time for the, heal- for the healing of broken hearts to be front and centre. And he is releasing his power and his anointing upon his church to be that agent of healing, to see everything that we have described right there. And this season began just a few months ago in terms of what was prophetically declared. I don't know if any of you remember before lockdown, um, a lady called Sandra Selma Kirsten came and spoke and she did a whole lot of the Elijah House um, training and ran a couple of venues. A whole lot of us got really healed and really smashed during that time. And she came and spoke um, one Sunday night when we were back at the town centre and she is probably, at least in my experience, the best healing prayer minister on the planet. She is just on another level. She is really, really prophetic. And one of the things she said to us as she opened, she said, the Lord's given me a few things for you as a community. And one of the things she said is, you are named well. Because your name and your anointing as a community your, and your mission as a community, they match. They match. So God is speaking a global prophetic word. But what does that mean for us? Well, that is right in the centre of what we are called to do. And I want to suggest for a moment, and when I say a moment, I mean like for the next like 30 or 40 years, (laughs) that we have been prepared divinely by God for such a time as this. And this is our day. This is our time to step up into everything that he has called us to. World-changing things start in dirty, pooey, messy stables. I'm talking about Jesus in case you're wondering what that metaphor was. It'll be easier to go, you know what? What's it been, seven years, eight years? You know, shouldn't we be bigger than this? Shouldn't we be doing more than this? Shouldn't there be this? Shouldn't there be? Shouldn't, shouldn't, shouldn't. You know what? That bit's up to God. But all I know is everything that we have done over the last seven or eight years has been preparing us for this day. Everything that he has been doing in us, the people that he has been bringing to us, the, the, the shifting of the deck chairs that happens as God you know, moves the chess pieces around the board to, to position, to checkmate the enemy. I believe we've been divinely prepared for such a time as this, and this is our day. This is our time to step into all of this. Now, what does that mean for us? We kind of don't have, you know, the the whole it's a new year, and new prophetic word thing. We kind of don't, we're not feeling that whole new year, new prophetic word thing. We're feeling like just it's time to do what we're called to do. And that starts with whatever I have in my heart and my life around this, that's on the left-hand side there. We need to paint a target on that and go, Jesus, come get me. Now, this doesn't mean we have to get ourselves perfect. None of us are perfect. None of us ever will be perfect. But I remember um, John Eldredge, some of you know John Eldredge. I think he's one of your faves, isn't he, Died. <laughs> um, he is you know, one of the foremost authors and speakers, particularly to Christian men, um, around you know, the, the healing of the heart of a man. And someone um, asked him at a conference once, you know, how much healing actually is possible this side of heaven? And his answer was simply, more than we know. I love that. Wherever we have any of this, where any of us are suffering the effects and the damage from absent or distorted love in our formative years, in our adult years, wherever, that we go, Jesus, come and touch me, come and heal that. If you need help, call out for help. We can't always do it. We can't all do this alone. I need help. I'm in a season of, of signing up for some prayer ministry, for some more prayer ministry you know, for the next layer of onion for me. I'm like, God, come get me. I need this. Let's paint the target on that and go, God, it's time. The stuff that's held me back, uh, the anxiety, the depression that has always been knocking at my door, um, the dysfunction in some of my relationships. God, I'm painting a target on that. Come and get me because... What we see in the back half of Isaiah 61 where it says, they will be called oaks of righteousness, a planning of the Lord for the display of his spender. They will rebuild the ancient ruins. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. Who's the they? The they were those who were this, who got this and are now going out and loving the world and repeating the cycle. One of the stories I told you last time, or I'll, re- I'll repeat quickly. It was, um, if you don't know me or know kind of the stuff that I do during the week, sometimes um, I, re- I run a lot of corporate retreats and um, like leadership development, personal development stuff, and. In the process of that, one of my aims is to create this place of safety and belonging, but also introduce Jesus to them in a way that they don't know that that's what they're getting, but what they get is a really safe place. They get loved on, and they're going to get some prophetic stuff somewhere in there somehow, but it's not going to be, a thus saith the Lord unto you. It's going to to come covert, but it's going to unlock something. And this was, I don't know, two Februarys ago, because what I'm about to say is I rang Megan on the way home. Um... And because we just had such incredible breakthroughs. Some of the, the most common testimony from times like that is, I've had 10 years of counselling and it didn't do what this did in two days. Now, one of the things I often say is, well, if you hadn't have had 10 years of counselling, you might not have taken so much ground as you did. So let's not, you know, I'm not trying to disparage that. But when you bring Jesus into the mix... 10 years gets compressed into two days and all of a sudden stuff gets unlocked and all of a sudden they walk away different and we'd had, we'd had stories, I'm just driving away just going, man, that was off the chart, like that was, that was, that was a really good couple of days and I rang Megan and, you know, we were telling the stories and I just said to her, we have got to raise up an army of heart healers to take this all over the world. That's what this is about, not just having a little environment where we do this, but It is part of our commission to equip and to send people and we need to raise up an army of heart healers that are going to do this out there everywhere, whether it's in the marketplace, whether it's in the church, whether it's in media, education, government, wherever, we need an army of heart healing, anointed lovers of Jesus who can do this. That's what we're about. Not just having fun church services. I really love them and they're really fun. That's not the whole thing of what we're about. And if anything is rattling really loudly around our spirit, separate to the global prophetic word thing, but totally like inspired at the same time by that is it is time. If church in some way has been a difficult or a, a wounding place for you, and, and for, for some, you know, the, the very places where we're supposed to get healed end up being places where we get wounded. I've been there too. It's easy to go, yeah, I'm just going gonna, gonna to hold that at safe distance because that hasn't worked out so well for me before. Again, brokenhearted, let's see that healed so that nothing, nothing, nothing holds you back from being everything that God created you to be and you joining that army that is going to go out and not, you know, let's go save the world. You know, I, I love people getting saved. Ultimately, my aim is to heal the world. In the process, salvation will come. But my aim is to heal the broken hearts of the world. That's what we're about. Now, let me bring this into land in terms of what is for us. Like I said, not not a new prophetic word, but one of the things I just want to remind us of is that there are a whole lot of prophetic words that we have delivered in the past that are still valid. Some of you may remember we had that word about waves of healing that are going to push us back onto our ask, A-S-K. Sense of humour from God on the play on words is quite hilarious. But there would be waves of healing that would push us back onto all of those things that we have asked God and desired for. It will push us back into that zone so that God will bring us the desires of our heart. We spend a lot of time going, okay, so what is your ask? What, what at the depth of your heart are you asking God for? And and, and is, is that... The heart's cry of who he's made you to be. Let's identify that. That word is still valid. Just because we haven't been preaching it for a year and a half and COVID and all that doesn't mean that word isn't still current. It is because it fits exactly with this. There is still waves of healing available. Now, Isaiah 61 and verse 3 and the latter part of verse 3. Actually, let me read it all. To bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. So if you are feeling any of the stuff on the left-hand side here, if you're experiencing any of that, this is the heart of Jesus for you. A crown of beauty instead of ashes. When people were mourning and grieving, they would cover themselves in ashes. So it's a picture of being in emotional pain. And instead of being covered in ash, instead of being covered in pain and brokenheartedness, he will bring beauty. Oil of joy instead of mourning. And the garment of praise instead of a spirit of, some versions say despair, some say heaviness. And despair and heaviness, they're the same thing because they, they feel awful. <laughs> they feel heavy. And then it says, and this is the result. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. You know what an oak is? You ever tried to move an oak? It's a a big mama tree. And if you try and move it, you're going to struggle. So... An oak is this thing that is deeply and firmly grounded, rooted and established and it will not be moved. That's the oak. The oak of righteousness, the planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. Here's what I want our hearts cry to be. Is God, wherever there's this, any of this stuff on the left, wherever I feel poor, broken hearted, captive, imprisoned, and the difference between captives and prisoners we've talked about before. When I'm a captive, it's because of what something someone else did to me. When I'm a prisoner, it's because of something that I did. And whether you're in pain and brokenness because of what someone else did or because of what you did and your own choices, it doesn't matter. Jesus has come to set that free, and to break that sucker. Where there's mourning, where there's despair, where there's is shame is to say, Lord, Would you touch me and would you make my life a planting of the Lord for the display of your splendour? And this is not, oh, look at me. This is God works in you so powerfully that the world looks on and goes, how the heck could God do that with that? Do I need to say that again? Is this working? It's not displaying our splendor, it's displaying his. Because people look on and go, How did that come from that? <laughs> That's got to be God. Because no one else could do that. Is God, would you make my life for the display of your splendor? And that means the broken places are healed, the hurting places are healed and filled with true, healthy, fiery, furious love. where there's power, supernatural power flowing from my life and something beautiful is being created everywhere I go because I carry that same spirit that Jesus carried. doesn't mean I'm the saviour of the world, but Jesus says, as the Father has sent me, so I'm sending you. And in doing that, he transferred that commission and that anointing from him to us and said, go take that into all of the world. God, would you make me would you work in me so that I am a planting of the Lord, that, I, that I, my life would display his splendor? That is a long way from the not crap line. And we get too satisfied and too like, you know what? If I just get to the not crap line and hover somewhere around there, that'll be okay. No. He came that you might have life and have it to the full. Let's go after that. Anybody home? God, would you make my life a planting for the display of your splendor? Let's stand. Do you, you want to come and do your thing? We have been divinely prepared by God for this moment for this season in the kingdom of God and its manifestation on the earth. God's wanting to raise up an army of healers. And it doesn't mean you all go around doing prayer ministry. Okay, some of you will, some of you won't. It means that wherever you go, you carry the presence of the glory of the Lord such that everyone who comes into your sphere gets some kind of breakthrough. For some, it might be their personal economy gets healed and their finances get breakthrough. For others, depression and anxiety breaks off. Others, relationships get healed. For others, you know, business ideas and entrepreneurial things come such that you can go and make a difference and make an impact. It looks different for everyone. But this is what he is looking for. This is what he wants to do in us so that his unconditional love touches us and then we almost by accident go out into the world carrying his presence in such a way that anyone who comes into our zone gets some of that and gets breakthrough. One of the marks of a move of the Spirit is people get saved and people get healed by accident. South America, Harold Caballero. some of you, may, if you're old, as old as me, um, may know who he is. In their city, he said, God is moving so powerfully, people are getting saved and healed by accident. Someone had a car accident on their way to church with a non-believer. And as a result, the non-believer got saved. Like literally by accident, by car accident, someone gets saved. Where people walk into your zone in the supermarket and go, I felt something when I was around you. What was that? Talk to me. <laughs> Doesn't mean we don't need to be intentional, but that, that, this is when we are displaying his splendor. It can't be confused as us. <laughs> it has to be him. Like that had to be God. No one else knows that about me. How did you pick me out in the middle of a shopping center and walk up to me and say that? No one else knows that about me. I've never told a soul. That can only be God. God. You prayed for me and all of the pain left my body in an instant. That's got to be God. No one can do that. I spent time with you and I walked away and found out that I wasn't depressed anymore. I remember someone walking away from a church service, this is probably 20 years ago, two weeks later she worked out she'd given up smoking. You know that one, don't you? I have a witness. This actually happened. It wasn't her, but she knows who it was. Two weeks later, she worked out, oh, I don't smoke anymore. And I remember the moment she had the encounter with the presence of Jesus, didn't know what happened, just knew she'd met Jesus. And two weeks later, she works out and addictions just left me. That's gotta be God. God. So would you join me, and not just now, but over the next three weeks in particular, and then over the next 30 years? (laughs) Just for a little time. (laughs) Just to get started. God, would you touch me this year? Would you touch me this week, this day, this month, whatever it is? Would you touch my heart? Would you touch my life? Would you work in me such that you would make my life a planting of you for the display of your splendor. I'm not gonna settle for the not crap line. I I can't emphasize that enough right now. The pandemic has traumatized and put fear around us to the point where it's almost familiar and we're just used to it and accept it as real, as normal. It's not, it's not our inheritance. It's like, I will not settle for the not crap line. God, make me a planting for the display of your splendour. If you're willing for that to be a heart cry, and like, I don't always do altar calls and come down the front and all of that because sometimes that can hype and do weird stuff. But I do want us to respond today. And if you're like, yeah, count me in for that, God. I'm painting a target on me to say, God, I, work in me so that my life is a to give you for the display of your splendour, then I want you to come and join me out here. And I don't know what the hell we're going to do. We'll find out in a moment. But I want, a res- I want us to actually do something to respond, to actually do something. Like faith requires an action. It requires us to do something. I don't know why you're still waiting. Just start walking. I'll finish talking shortly. But just, <laughs> if that's you, just make a move somewhere toward the front and say, God, I'm up for that. So just put your hand on your heart right now and then I'm going to pray for you for a moment and then I'm just going to leave space for a couple of minutes for you to have your own interaction with the Father. This is not something I or any of us can do for you. This is the bit where in just a moment you're going to engage the presence of God. You're going to engage with Him and go, God, get me. <laughs> God, here target right here, right here, get me. (laughs) So Father, right now in the name of Jesus, we just want to afresh in 2022, say yes to the call that you placed on us, God. When you named us I-61, you put the mantle of Isaiah 61 on us as a community and us as a family and you said to us, raise up an army of heart healers. You said to us, go and heal the world, go and love the world, go and show the world who I really am by learning to love powerfully and maturely, by learning to demonstrate my power in such a way that breaks yokes of bondage, that sees chains hit the ground. And afresh, we say yes. We say yes to that call and we say, God, would you touch me? And I say this even for myself, God, would you touch me afresh? Every place that has those negative results that we see from Isaiah 61, God, let them be a target for your love and for your goodness and for your healing. Let this be a year where more chains hit the ground than we've ever heard before. Let this be the year where we are surprised all over again by how flipping good you are. Father, and for everyone who is responding in whatever way. God, I just ask for your presence to increase right now. Just let your presence increase upon them right now. God, let there be grace for healing. Let there be fresh anointing, fresh fire, fresh power. Let fresh vision be awakened, God, where dreams have gone dormant and dead, where things have been let go. We say wakey, wakey to those places in our hearts that have been suppressed because of disappointment and pain. We say we give permission for those parts of our heart to wake up in Jesus' name. Increase your power, God. Increase your power. Increase your manifest presence. God, let healing flow. Increase, God, increase. Let healing flow, God. Let healing flow. Into every broken, hurting place. fresh grace God fresh grace fresh fire this is a new day this is a new season God has always been about healing but he's saying I'm turning up the intentionality I'm turning up the focus it's like the sun's always been shining but when you take a magnifying glass and focus what's coming from it it increases in power All right, now I want you to start to put words on your lips. I want you to start to articulate what you want from the Father. I want you to articulate your ask. And this is where one of our values is we only do real. This is where you get real with God. This is where you go, God, I'm hurting. I'm feeling broken. I feel like I can't do this. I feel disqualified. I feel disappointed. I can't see the way forward. I don't know how to get out of where I am to to where I know I could be. I, I, I don't know. This is the point where we get really real with God because He promises that a bruised reed He will not break, a smouldering wick He will not snuff out. He will meet you lovingly and kindly in your place of brokenness and He will minister deeply and gently and sweetly to you because that's who He is. He is not angry with you. I don't know who that's for in the room. If any of you have been going, God's angry with me. No, He is not. He paid a price for anything you could do to pee Him off. It's done. And now all that's left is grace and healing for you. So just put your ask on your lips. Just, It just, only has to be loud enough for you and God to hear, but I want you to actually put it on your lips. God, this is what I'm asking for. Here is my heart, God. I'm putting my heart on the altar and saying, God, come and burn in me. Just put that on your lips now. I'm gonna give you a few minutes to do that. And I encourage you. Don't be shy. Don't be timid about it. And if you're feeling disappointed with Him, it's okay to tell Him. Let's not get all religious when we talk to God. Let's just get real. God, where the heck were you when this happened? I don't get it. I don't understand put that on your lips and say, God, come and meet me in my confusion. Come and meet me in my pain.